Dead men tell no tales. Fifty men loaded in man's chest. Yo ho ho and a bottle of rum. Drink and the devil had done for the rest. Yo ho ho and a bottle of rum. The ship with black sails that's crewed by the damned. Welcome aboard the Black Pearl. Welcome to the Black Pearl Show, a Pirates of the Caribbean Minute podcast where we analyze, scrutinize, and plunder Pirates of the Caribbean films one blimey minute at a time. I'm Scott Artis from scottartis.com. And I'm Heather Artis from blackpearlminute.com. Sounds like you almost forgot where you were from there for a second. You kind of did a little stall. No. It didn't sound right. I'm just going to say it. I think you forgot where you were. You're like, uh, where am I? I don't know what you're talking about. Thanks for joining us for Minute 45 of Dead Man's Chest. I just wanted to say thanks again to Alex and Travis over at Galaxy Quest Minute for allowing me to hang out with them for a few episodes. So check it out. Minutes or episodes, however you want to say it. 52 and 53. But you don't just have to listen to 52 and 53. You can also listen to like 51 and 54. Or more if you choose. I mean, it's up to you. Who am I to dictate what shows you're going to listen to? Except Pirates of the Caribbean Minute, the Black Pearl show. That, I'm a fanatic about. Are you? Yeah, they better listen up. (laughs) Those dirty, filthy bilge rats. See, we treat our audience with such respect here. Yeah, I'm not sure who's going to stick around when you call them names. But it's a pirate name from Barbosa. Oh, no, wait. (laughs) I think we came up with that one. That's Bloomin' Cockroaches. Dang it. Good job. I guess that was from me. Now I have to apologize to everybody. Now that we got that kind of miniature preamble out of the way, probably time for Pirate Word of the Week in our fancy new segment intro that I have developed. You probably haven't even heard it yet. Nope. How dare you? I mean, seriously. Ahoy there, scallywags. Pirate Word of the Week in five, four, three, two, yarrr. So what do you got for us, Heather? Brace of Barkers. Brace of Barkers. Yeah, what do you think that is? Something about your shoes, your feet? <laughs> no, but that kind of barking to your feet. Yeah, of. that's what it, okay. <laughs> a pack of wild dogs? No. What? A pair of pistols. Really? Yeah. Because they kind of bark, I guess? <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know. I wouldn't be as much afraid if I heard a <laughs> gun that sounded like a dog. It's like, Woof! I'm like, oh, that was... Boy, someone just took a shot at me. How dare them? Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. Was, Let me guess. You didn't really dive into the background of it. So you're going to leave us all hanging here? My book doesn't have background. It's a good thing there's none of this like internet thing that was created <laughs> where you could just go to it and it would have lots of resources. I mean, imagine such a technological advancement where we could have information like that possibly at our fingertips or with a little bit of research. I, I can't. We don't have that because then I would go, Heather, why didn't you just use this thing called the internet? But I, yeah, we don't have to worry about that. I took about two minutes to look it up. Didn't find anything. I know you're so. preoccupied. That's what's going on. We have a new little critter running around the house. So preoccupied your time as opposed to delivering 
our show to the critters that are out in the audience. But no, you uh, chose a critter in your house over the critter out in the world. All those critters out there. Not that we want to call all the listeners critters. In the no, previous we don't. Oh, really? So you're going to pause <laughs> yeah. and then you're going to let me go? In the previous minute, nothing can stop Will from getting Jack Sparrow. Specifically, his compass. Elizabeth means the world to him. All that gushy stuff and the wedding night Elizabeth's been looking forward to. There's no way we're leaving without Jack. Nothing can stop. Cue the angry mob of beach-running cannibal natives. Time to go. Well, Elizabeth almost means the world to him. Well, kind of. Sort of. Yeah, she's alright. There's plenty of other fish in the sea willing to steal a family heirloom from a pirate attack surviving kid. I'm sure her dad has another plan. And then the Black Pearl sets sail. My recap. Because there are plenty of other Fish women, girls, willing to steal from little boys who barely survived a pirate attack. There is. They're just by the dozens out there. Pretty much uh, most women. Except the ones in our audience. Excluding Heather, though. She is part of that. Minute 45 begins with a now washed out Jack finishing his catchphrase. Captain Jack Sparrow. <laughs> kind of deflated a little. It was deflated. The cannibals look... On from the beach at the escaping ship, disappointed that their god in human form is left before the ceremony. However, the jail dog begins to bark and catches their attention. The minute ends with Jack the monkey scaling the rigging and Will Turner approaching Jack the captain. It's good to differentiate those two. Elizabeth is in danger. Jack responds, have you considered keeping a more watchful eye on her? Maybe just lock her up somewhere? Will, now angry, she's locked up in a prison. But he does it better than I because he's like a yeah, professional. How dare you? Yeah. Get out of here. This is a recap. It's not like I'm supposed to be acting this stuff here. But sometimes I feel like I should because it's almost like it's an audiobook thing where I'm recapping yeah, it. Exactly. Gotta now make it like, exciting. Now it's like all If you this- just read it, just make it blah. Maybe. That's not exciting. Really? That's not going to keep our audience. Maybe we need to like. Play the last 10 seconds since <laughs> that's what I do or the first. No, and last- it's not the same. Okay. We'll just continue on with what it is, yeah. but I got to put more gusto in it. Yeah. Maybe I need to add like sound effects to it, like really reenact those last you 10 need seconds. To do something. The first 10 seconds and the last 10 seconds are really what the recap is. The previous minute, that's just a hodgepodge of reality there. Really, it, usually it's a spot on depiction of what just happened in the previous minute. Exactly. And that's for all those new listeners out there. So, new listeners, hey, thank you. We embrace your new listeners pirateness. just coming aboard now. Oh, yeah. Starting at this minute? Not necessarily at this minute, but some of them do, possibly, I guess. Who starts in the middle of a movie? How, don't disparage the <laughs> listeners. I mean, seriously. You know, they're like, what is going on? They're I've never seen confused. this infamous movie before. They'd be all confused. They would. But I've come to real... Well, I've come to this realization that these Pelagostos just aren't very nice cannibals. That's what I'm going to say. Because they're chasing a dog down the beach? Yeah. In fact, I think the whole God and human form thing is just something they made up to justify their addiction to long pork and, obviously, canine steaks. Right? That's it. Come on, cannibals. Show some decency here. The dog. My God, the dog. The poor dog. I'm so worried about it. They they didn't grab it and put it on the ship. What's up with that? Come on. That dog doesn't do anything you want it to do. That dog has... Yeah, but now it's in danger. Well, he, he'll be okay. Because I can forgive the dabbling in pirate and maybe even certain employees running the East India Company. Dabbling in their long pork. Cooking them up. But the dog? I mean, how dare you? Exactly. Don't even try that. Once they realize Jack is gone as well as the others, 
They're like a lost flock here, looking for anything that could satiate that hunger. Spiritual, physical, whatever you want to call it. It's just weird. The dog barks and attention immediately is diverted. The dog being smarter than the average pirate. I mean, he already sees the writing on the wall. We know that. He takes off after he barks. He's like, why did I do that? Yeah. They run. I mean, that shows you the intellectual prowess of the Pelagostos. This is not demeaning all natives. I'm not trying to say all natives are just cannibals. You just dog said Pelagostos. You didn't say all natives. That's, you I said just want to make sure. Hey, in this climate, you never Which is a made up native sure. people. Oh, now you're saying that these poor people are just made up? How dare you? Yeah. It's like no stereotypes, though. But the fact that their attention span is so short and their gods so easily forgotten, these really are just using this as an excuse to eat man meat and dog meat. Aww. Don't you think? Yeah. Come on. I think it's safe to say they've maybe lost my respect. I think I held these cannibals in such high regard at one point, And now, like Jack Sparrow, after getting splashed by the wave, I'm deflated in my... <laughs> My whatever it would be like. Your thoughts on my the thoughts, my I honor, my respect. It's all just wah, wah, wah kind of thing. <laughs> Those poor guys. Not poor because they have money, but poor because of their... Yeah, well, okay, we're not going to get into that. As for working with the structure of the movie, I think this really is a perfect wrap-up to the Pelagostos scene. Takes us out on a humorous note. Even though, I mean, really... This whole thing has been a humorous note. Yeah, the whole whole Pelagostos Island has For a been. lot of it. Yeah. I mean, this is really playing up the deepest, darkest jungle savage trope. There's no denying it. Running after the dog. Yeah, Hollywood. Classic, angry, unrestrained natives. It's hard to believe that we actually peddled in those stereotypes in the past. That people actually believe that kind of stuff. There's even some people out there that, that I've heard. believe. Heard about. That when they hear jungle drums, they'll just go running. You? How dare you? <laughs> name names. Don't name names. Then the 1950s, don't name names. I mean, come on. But it's fun. It's those movies you and your dad watched That's together. right. While we were eating our, uh, let's call it pork rinds. <laughs> but it's fun. And dad, oh, dad, <laughs> Jesus. How dare you? Look what you've done. Ah, <laughs> oh, dad, train me well. <laughs> And designed not to be taken seriously is really what I wanted to say. Designed, dad, it's all weird. But that's why it differentiates itself from the old school Hollywood idea. The dog tips in the kind of absurd direction for this group. Because I think it it, it could almost be considered commentary on the old movies because it's so absurd. Don't you think with the dog? If they had left it just running after the people, it could have been really like... Where the this Hollywood native trope that we've talked so much about and is probably people are over with out there anyways. But if they hadn't left on that note, or if they had left on just that note, it would almost be feeding that stereotype still. But the fact that they then turn their attention to the dog and run after the dog, it's almost now like we're not feeding it. We're actually making fun of this stereotype. Yeah. Because... Everybody knows that this is really just an absurd thing. And, and it's a humorous movie. And, and that's what it's designed to be. It's not designed to be that serious drama adventure kind of thing. It's actually a mix of comedy adventure. For those of you who haven't seen this small budget. Small budget. <laughs> wasn't really distributed much Pirates of the Caribbean. It's almost like they should make a theme park ride out of it. Maybe. I don't know if it's popular enough for that though. But that's what I'm thinking. 
I think that it really kind of pokes back at that trope and said, this is how absurd this is and it's fun. But that's how absurd those old tropes are about these. Every native out there wanted to kill somebody and had the jungle drums going. Well, let's be honest. Never really went well when just white people showed up or Spanish showed up for natives and things like that. I know. Hey. No, no, no. There might be an actual reason that they started playing the drums. It's like, oh my god, the white people are here. That was my like weird, weird beat of drums. And then, and then they and people were going, oh my god, they're coming after us. I wonder why. Well, come on, open your eyes, guys. But this isn't politics. This isn't rehashing history, manifest destiny, and all that good stuff from the old days. Yeah, I just put it on a somber note. Now I'm gonna have to. Oh, what the heck? Yeah, I have to get some. Uh, let's just call it pork rinds out. Munch down on some of that. We mentioned it last minute, but we just witnessed the slickest character slide in all of movie history, I think. Patella Rigetti? Yeah. It's so seamless that we as the audience barely know it's happening. And when we do from the actions and hints of Pentel and Rigetti, it works. We expected it. The fact that the main characters freaking ignore them like they've always been part of the Black Pearl crew. Well, that's like, that's post-Barbosa. I didn't mean to... Like mutiny or backstab Jack crew kind of thing. Yeah. But that's what's awesome about it. When Gibbs runs by Pintel in the previous minute, pats him on the shoulder, says thanks for getting her ready or basically or something like that, and moves along without blinking an eye, that's the moment we re- That was almost like a Scooby-Doo. Some Scooby snacks. But we realize Pintel and Reggetti will be with us for the long haul in the movie. It's great writing, and I think it's also great direction to make that happen without us, like, questioning everything about it. Like, how are they just seamlessly sliding in here? How are they just part of the crew all of a sudden? Or did you question that? Well, Jack kind of is questioning them with the look he gives them as they're trying to butter up to him. I and think putting s- his coat on him, man, making sure he's all good. I think that's true. He kind of gives them a look like, what the hell are you doing here? I don't know if it's so much that, what you doing here, what you do, Jesus, <laughs> what you doing here, what you talking about, Willis? Oh my God. Talk about peddling stereotypes. Now look at what you made me do. <laughs> Making fun of dogs with speech impediments and pulling out the old, what you doing here, Willis, or what you talking about, Willis? Jesus. Oh my God. Send all your hate mail to Heather. But yeah, I think so. I think Jack is more, why are you brown nosing me so much? I don't know if it's so much here, or he almost kind of glances like, maybe that's what it is. Yeah, why are you guys here? Yeah. How did you get here? But it's so fleeting, though, he doesn't really question it, because let me tell you, if I was captain, and I was on board, and we're escaping, and someone's putting the code, and all of a sudden, I'm like, wait a second, is that Pentel and Rigetti, the ones that were, A, skeleton pirates trying to kill us before, and B, wait, they were there when we got mutinied. Yeah, but he's got... Terrible beastie on his mind. That's true. He does have that on his and mind. And that's all he cares about at this moment is that terrible beastie trying that's to true. get him. And in fact, he probably wants more hands on deck. Right. With a terrible beastie. He's like, you know what? We can sacrifice a few of these guys. Right. I mean, heck, throw Pintel and Rigetti overboard when the terrible beastie's around. Exactly. Maybe that will satisfy Maybe that's him. It. But like I said, I think we get those actions to reinforce this. Like we all know what's happened, but Pintel and Rigetti are still... Walking the thin line, too. No sudden movements kind of thing. They're kind of just trying to play it in. Yeah. Like oh, I said. No, they're, they're brown nosing. Yeah. Bl- bl- blending in, brown nosing. The captain 
all that kind of stuff. But it's it's almost like the seen but not heard they're trying to play and be right. helpful. Yeah. Everyone, most of them, everybody ignores them. And I think I like it. And I think that's why it works. Well, they'll go scrub the poop deck. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I know what the poop deck is. <laughs> it just sounded good. They'll do anything to stay on board the Black Pearl. Exactly. At this point, well, come on. Wouldn't you? Well, yeah. You don't want to go back to Cannibal Land. No. And they didn't even see what was really happening. No, because they didn't. They didn't leave the. All they got was drums and an angry mob of natives show up on the beach. Yeah. That right there is why the stereotype exists. They we heard the angry drums and boom! All of a sudden, angry mob of natives comes running down the beach. Then they spread this stereotype all over the place, and that's why we have it to this day. Exactly. That's how history is made. All from Patel and Rigetti. Tell your history teacher you don't need to go to class this week because you heard it here and you learned something. Don't do that. (laughs) Write that for your next essay. No, don't do that either. The script does have some character direction that Pintel and Rigetti are a bit annoyed for being ignored. And I think you started to mention some of this last time and you said maybe not. But especially after getting the ship ready, they the direction in the actual script, the final production draft, says yeah. that Pintel is a bit annoyed for not getting recognized for getting the ship ready. I don't necessarily think it comes through. No, it doesn't. But that is a direction in the script. No, I think it's more of a, shoo, I think we're going to be able to do this, pull this off, and be able to get on the ship. Yeah. You know what I mean? If we keep this helpfulness up, we're going to be able to stay. But it was, this actually, this direction wasn't for when they're on board the ship. It was was actually on the the beach when he runs by. Yeah. But, I mean, that's what I mean. He's saying, we're not going to be, we're going to be able to get on this ship and not have to worry about it. Exactly. You know, that's what that's what comes through on there when um, Gibbs just kind of ignores him. I think so. Yeah. But I think the good news about all of this is we're now on the ocean, off the island. I don't know. What? Celebration time? I mean, seriously. Celebrate. Thank you for stopping that. You almost harmed everybody out in the audience. I do have a little more on Patel and Rigetti Are before you, you leave them. Really? Okay. Yeah. When... Rigetti spits on his eyeball. Was that the lamest spit in the whole entire oh, yeah. world? That was the lamest spit. I, mean, I completely really? forgot to mention that. That it's was like, like this little drop of spit. It was like, how hard is it to spit more I, than that? I have a hypothesis. What? He, he did had to that do it so many times <laughs> that he finally was like, I'm out of freaking saliva. <laughs> and he was trying to muster and he just, and it just kind of falls out. It doesn't even hit the <laughs> no. eye. I think that's what it was. It was just like the lamest spit ever. I could see. They should have given him some water to drink if that was the case. I'm telling you. I think that he probably was so robust with it for a while. And then something would happen and they're like. And then the final take that they ended up doing because nobody messed up on or was laughing or whatever. He can barely muster the last that he has. And it just kind of falls out. It was like when a little kid spits. You ever (laughs) see a little kid spit? Well. And they almost spit on themselves, and it's just this tiny little drop. Maybe that's what it was, and that fits, because he is kind of the kid-like Yeah, but, one. I mean, come on. He's a man, though. Oh, come he on. He should be able to spit. We're talking man in loose terms here. I'm going to look in the credits when we finally get there, and I'm going to see if there was, like, a spit coach or somebody that was actually brought in to help Rigetti. And this is actually the best he could do within the time frame. Because they're like, we're not paying a consultant this long to teach Rigetti how to spit. Yeah, but doesn't every guy really know how to spit? 
I just tried to spit and it rolled down my chin. Does that count? I guess every guy doesn't know how to there spit. There you go. Then. I thought that's something you learn when you're like 10 years old. I don't know how that or works. Or younger. I don't remember. Really? I think it was just instinct. It's natural. Are you sure? I'm pretty sure. Isn't it something like boys get together and all just kind of what? <laughs> spit? Walk the plank. What? This is... So is this what women think? That... Cause oh, cause guys have the when girls have a sleepover, they have pillow fights in their nighties. We don't have pillow fights in our. I just, that's my point. And then all of a sudden, you guys are like, "Well, we need something." Oh, well, guys, when they get together, they just hang around and spit in a circle. How dare you get the hell out of here with your stereotypes? <laughs> Didn't we say no stereotypes here? Don't peddle in stereotypes. My God, yeah, we get together and spit. Who sold you that line? I've seen it on TV. The kids sit, the little boys sit on the bridge and start to spit on the cars down below and stuff like that. That's not just getting together and hanging out. It's like we're snapping fingers and doing the outsiders <laughs> West Side Story thing and spitting <laughs> all over the place. Get out of here with that. My brothers got together with their friends and they all spit together. Hey, I don't want to cast aspersions at your brothers, but that's weird. Let's just say oh, that. Really? Yeah, I think that's weird. They all I mean, learn how to spit together. All I know is that I think most guys get around and uh, watch cannibal flicks from basically what I understand <laughs> from my childhood. It's like we need to take a long nap, though, speaking of cannibalism. Regain our strength after digging up and commenting on material that has been on the island for the last freaking 23 minutes. That's a short movie, for Aztec God's sake. Yes, we arrived on the island. That's the island of Pelagosto. With Will in minute number 22. Wow. And we are leaving today. We're sailing off the island. Minute number 45. Basically spanned 23 minutes on the island. Is that not incredible? That's a huge amount of time. That's what I'm thinking. I mean, that's crazy, right? Am I alone in thinking that 23 minutes of the movie was spent on the island of Pelagosto when it actually had no real link to the plot of the movie and moving the film forward? Is that crazy? Well, it, ha- it explained the chief line in the first movie. Really? You're going to spend 23 minutes to explain a throwaway line? In the first movie. Yes. I mean, if I Well, wanna... it was a kind of a comedic relief, some of it. I know that. If I want to be technical, because that's a bit sometimes that we do here. The movie essentially starts at minute one, minute or whatever it is, minute one and 10 seconds or something like that. And when the timer hits two hours and 21 minutes, that's when it ends. That's two hours and 20 minutes of actual movie, not counting the credits, for simplicity's sake. So 140 minutes. 23 out of those 140 minutes were on the island of Pelagoso not having a big plot element. That's 16.4% of the film. 16 freaking percent. That's crazy, right? Yeah. That just seems crazy. It is crazy. I think you're just... What? It is. Me. Okay. It's a long time. I don't want to go so I far... I mean, we've been on this island for a long yeah, time. That's a... I'm going to guess 23 minutes. <laughs> and trying to... Keep up the banter about the this island and well, the you long are. pork. You are, but I'm like a for professional this long this. is you know can be daunting for somebody that's an amateur like yourself. Arr! I don't want to go so far as to well 
that there weren't justified elements here, we do have some interesting character building. And by that, I mean Cotton's parrot, of course. I mean, we see he tried to leave the island without Cotton. Okay, and there's there's other things too. I am going to be positive about this because I really don't have a problem with it. It gives Pentel and Rigetti. So here's my list. Here's okay. my list of positive aspects about the island of Pelagosto. Not like the little bits and the humor stuff, but actual like how it plays into the movie. Okay. That's what I'm saying. So it gives Pentel and Rigetti a chance to join the crew. Right. It unites Will and Jack, which is really pertinent to the plot. Yes. Gives us, well, gives us and Jack the chance to see the global reach of the East India Company. The spices in the hut of horrors with the company's logo on the cans. You remember yeah. that? Oh, I remember. <laughs> okay. Like, that's supposed to be something I take for granted that you remember something. Really? Yeah, really. This is how we're going to play today? Uh, kind of. Well, we're, you know, okay, yeah. Send all your hate mail to Heather. Well, she did stereotype guys, so I'm trying to defend us from the spitting round table here. <laughs> we could play Knights of the Round Table, but no, we got together to spit. And I think all you guys out there know <laughs> what we were talking about. It thins you know out you had spit competitions. Spit competitions? Yeah. Hey, I'm not going to... I don't know if I can deny that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm trying, to think. I'm trying to think. I'll have to come back. Exactly. Okay, back to my list. It thins out the Black Pearl crew, rids us of a bunch of characters we no longer really have to follow. Right. Takes us down to like the bare minimum of the ones that were the originals from Curse of the Black Pearl. Like the parrot tells us about the nature of pirates and being a bit backstabby. Does tell us about that. Yeah. Knows that we can't trust any of the pirates. I think we pretty much understood that before. Right. And the big thing is the entertainment value. It's a movie for pirates sake. It's supposed to be entertaining. Of course. I mean, that's the whole Otherwise thing. Otherwise we get bored. Yeah. But with all that said, and the value that I just presented, doesn't change my point that it was 16% of a long movie and wasn't really directly tied to the plot. The balance of those features I mentioned, yeah, okay. Specifically uniting Jack and Will, they could have been reduced quite a bit strictly from a structural point of view. They could have had a quick intro kind of thing. Didn't need to be 23 minutes. But if you're like me, though, and you just like swashbuckler films, you like uh, movies about gladiators, Heather? <laughs> sure. <laughs> it's an airplane reference, and I forgot you haven't seen Airplane, and you need... I haven't all seen your it in a long time. No, you said you haven't seen it, and I tried to drop one on you, and I forgot that you actually recently told me we need to watch the movie because I drop references here on it, and people at work do, and you're left out Yeah, because I haven't on. seen it in a long time, and I just don't remember. We will be watching Airplane today. And I haven't seen it enough to... Remember all the lines. Man, that's a classic 80s movie. And yes, people at work always reference Airplane. Always. And I'm like... Mm. It's a groundbreaker. It won like 14 Oscars. Best picture of the year. Best actors. Yeah. That thing was all over the place. Really? Get out of here. How dare you? You even asked that well, question? comedy? Really? Get the out of here. Comedies don't now normally you do just that. Harm Everybody in this audience, their hearing is gone now because they just all just went, what in the hell just happened there? No. Anyways, like I said, I like swashbuckler films, even Gladiator. Hey, I like Gladiator films. Okay, length is not much of a big deal as long as it delivers on what a movie is intended to do. That's my point. Entertain, provide that escape. Some movies are about social commentary, yeah, history, and a dozen other reasons. But like most of them out there, though, it's entertainment, and it delivers, I think, that in spades here. Yes. And that's why I don't mind that it's long or that we actually spent 
a lot of time on the island of Pelagosto because if you're watching it, that 23 minutes really goes by pretty quickly. Right. Except when you're breaking it down and <laughs> yeah. you're spending 23 freaking days <laughs> talking about it. Let's be honest. If our episodes are in the 30 to 40 minute range, I mean, that's 23 of those. You're talking 12 to maybe 15 hours or more that have been spent talking about the island of Pelagosa. Now that, my friend, is ridiculous. So that's all I have to say about this whole thing. Yeah, I like to kind of make a comment on it from a structural movie point of view. Okay, yeah, there's some flaws. But from an entertainment perspective and a swashbuckling good time, hey, it's fun. And plus we get to see Captain Jack Sparrow running around. We get to see Gibbs and the Motley crew trying to escape these guys. There have some neat stunts. They have a stunt that really irritates me. Damn you, you flipping triple Lindy whatever. Okay. Yeah. So that's all I have to say. We're a little bit ecstatic about uh, leaving the island. We can start talking about other stuff. In the very last second of this minute, you see the Black Pearl sailing away. Exactly. That's what's nice about it. So I think that's it for me. That's all I got. That's it for me. Okay. We'll be back on Wednesday with minute 46 of Dead Man's Chest. And maybe, just maybe if you're all lucky, we should probably revisit all those 23 minutes and start fresh and have that perspective having just seen it and talked about it for so long. That'd be a wonderful idea. I think everybody would like that. Until then, Scallywags, let's keep the horns swoggling. And we better put this in for the last time. The long pork eating to a minimum. You've been listening to The Black Pearl Show, and we appreciate it, scallywags. Heather, I know you're still on pirate time and kicking back with the booze, but you may have noticed... Actually, who am I kidding? The only thing you've noticed lately is the inside of the Faithful Bride Tavern. Anyways, our procrastination has paid off yet again and Season 2 is here and we are willfully unprepared. Maybe we can distract people with a Jack Sparrow wave of the hands and send people across that thing called the internet. Check us out on Facebook.com slash Pirates of the Caribbean Minute, Twitter.com slash Black Pearl Men, Instagram.com slash Black Pearl Show, SoundCloud.com slash Pirates of the Caribbean, that's for best of clips, and by all means give us a plug and review on iTunes. We'd appreciate it, mateys. Oh, and let's not forget the Facebook Cursed Crew listeners group for post-episode discussions. That's actually a lot to remember, especially if you're in a foggy haze like Heather. Just go to blackpearlshow.com and everything is there at the click of a button. Perhaps I should have just said that from the beginning. This is a Shoutreach Media Production. Pirates don't need no stinking disclaimers, but just for fun. I think all you dirty, filthy bilge rats know that Disney and Bruckheimer Films have no affiliation with us at all, and we have none with those blooming cockroaches. We talk about Pirates of the Caribbean, which is their property, and all that other fun stuff. But I think it's obvious what's ours and what's theirs. There's no need to blur the lines or stir up a bloody rum-filled sweat. As for the music... That's with permission or licensed under Creative Commons. So let's give a shout out to Ross Bugden, Six Nail Coffin, and Tommy Wynn. The rest? Well, that's just me. Oh, and maybe Heather.